Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Biff Bites podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Mee, and I am joined in the studio again with my trusty co-host, Mr. Adam Shear. How's it going, Adam? Doing great, Jerry. How are you doing? Oh, we are we are over the hump. The today is the last day of the November exam cycle. Uh, you know, as we're recording this, so uh, it is nice to be on the other side of things. <laughs> yeah, agreed, agreed. A uh, lot of great feedback coming from our Biff crew and the Biff review. Uh, you know, you have worked closely with a lot of people in your tutoring and in class, and same thing here on uh, my end with Mike and, and with Brendan as well. So it's just been a really great journey this time for the Biff Review and excited to meet some new faces and new people for uh, the 2023 March exam cycle. Yeah, we're just ramping up, um, starting to get people enrolled in for March. So definitely uh, some exciting new faces on the horizon. We're definitely looking forward to it. Sure. But today, Adam, we have a, a pretty interesting topic. Uh it's a lot of a lot of numbers today. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of numbers. Uh, we're just going to be spouting off numbers. Uh, you know, we recorded uh, an episode a while back, Jerry, called "Inflation." I'm not worried about it. Yep. <laughs> um, I think that this is a more appropriate venue for that title because right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's- so, I mean, inflation, as everyone's probably well aware, is in, uh, you know, full throttle in the uh, the U.S. economy right now. And as a result, some uh, some things get changed because of it. Uh, and that's really what we're going to focus on today is the IRS. Uh, they just put out this big list, uh, 60 different tax pos- uh, provisions that have all been adjusted up. Because uh, when Congress passed these laws and, you know, put them into action, uh, they include a little caveat on it that uh, they would be adjusted for inflation. And in a year where we had, you know, almost double digit inflation, not quite, uh, at least on the official inflation level, but almost double digit inflation, um, that's going to cause quite a few numbers in the uh, tax code to get adjusted upwards in order to account for that inflation. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the things that's that's interesting, or I find interesting with all of these changes, uh, first of all, is is the the glee within the tax nerd community. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it like, it's like Christmas for the tax nerds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Christmas. <laughs> we get our new gifts and, and get to wrap our heads around the new numbers. Um, but also just learning a little bit about the why behind here. Yep. And uh, as we know, can, inflation can impact a lot of the, the costs out there uh, with consumer goods in the marketplace. And um, I was reading an article recently, and it was just about the process that the Bureau of Labor Statistics goes through uh, that ultimately funnels through to CPI or the consumer price index where we, we measure inflation in the economy. But it was just talking about how these different reps will go to different uh, cities and to different types of retail outlets. And their sole mission is to compare very, very specific products uh, over a given time period. I mean, it could be uh, granulated brown sugar 
organic, right? Yeah. It could be uh, it could be crackers, uh, lightly salted, uh, with with some stuff on top, right? And they're they're just looking for the price trends from period over period, but it's ultra specific, and all that data gets compiled. I think there are about two hundred of these reps nationwide, and they. They get all of that, they bring it together, and that's a, a large part of what CPI is made up of. And ultimately, where that flows through to is, is the IRS takes some of that data and those numbers, and we get to look at these new inflation-adjusted numbers for a lot of meaningful tax elements of, of people's uh, financial world. So here we are talking about this stuff, right, Jerry? That would, yeah, that would be a fun job. Yeah, it's, yeah, I work in finance. I'm a secret shopper for the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently they do carry a badge and uh, they flash the badge. And they Government quiet. business. I need to see the price of these saltines. <laughs> Show me the saltines or else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but that was, that was fun to, to learn about about that process, you know, I feel like we, we cut, we get to get familiar with, with all the talk, especially around, you know, economic environments like now about inflation and CPI and, and just in our field, <clears throat> it impacts so much. That's really common to us, but it was, it was just funny to learn that there are these, these badge carrying stat people that go from store to store across the U.S. Um, just looking for numbers. So yeah, we have a lot of numbers here. Uh, I don't know that we'll we'll really dig into every single one of them uh, yeah. just keep you awake, but uh, what do you think, Jerry? I think we should just walk through some of the the more common places where we see different phase outs going up or contribution levels going up or gift yeah. Contribution. Okay. Definitely. Though before we dive into that, I just want to point out, you know, the reason why we're doing this too is these are all relevant to the CFP exam. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these are provided on the tax tables when you go in and, uh, you know, you sit for the exam, they give you a, a nice tax table that has a list of all the relevant, uh, you know, tax brackets and, you know, various phase outs and things like that. So um, these aren't necessarily numbers that you have to memorize, but it is something to be aware of because, you know, for those of us working in the financial field, a lot of these um, become kind of second nature and we might refer to old numbers by mistake. You know, it's like when the, when it's, you know, new year's and the year changes over and you still write, you know, last year's date when you're, <laughs> when you're uh, you know, signing your name or something like that, you know, the same thing can happen for this, where you tell a client, it's like, oh yeah, you know, IRA contribution limits, you know, $5,000, even though, you know, it hasn't been that for a couple of years because it becomes second nature. So it's just to be good to be aware of these things so that you don't get easy questions wrong because you're stuck in a rut and referring to, you know, last year's data. That's great. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, Jerry. And where and when these numbers are going to show up are next year, beginning in the July, 2023 cycle. So yeah. for those of you gearing up for March, 2023, don't be deceived. You still are using 2022 numbers on your exam. Yeah. Uh, so you make the adjustment and we're going to July. Yeah, great point. CFP is on a half year cycle. They they adjust in July instead of January. Just to make things a little more confusing. Right? Yep, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, let's let's dive into it, Adam. So actually I have a question for you, Adam. It's yeah. like, you know, 
we we see here that you know the tax brackets are inflating. Mm-hmm. Why why can't why can't the IRS just you know make it simple? Just leave those tax brackets the same. You know what's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least as it 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 applies to to taxable income, right? That's where you're going to jump to your tax brackets. Um, the the IRS is is assuming right that that along with inflation that wages are going to increase as well. And these these are meant to to kind of track along with what they expect people to have in terms of income and uh, ultimately what's going to be revenue to the IRS. So those adjust year over year. Um, there's there's still some things that are holding true. Uh, the the actual brackets, the marginal rates don't change at all or didn't change going into 2023. The last time they did was with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017. Yep. But the idea here is you have higher bracket thresholds or ceilings for each one of those marginal rates. So it'll be 10, 12, 22, 24, 32, uh, 35, and then the top rate is 37%. And um, what we tell our students in our program, and it's just the way that the system works here in the United States, is that we have a progressive tax system. So the analogy I like to use, it's it's like one of those measuring cups you use for uh, liquids, where you have different hash marks, but it starts you know getting wider as you go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, if we imagine instead of putting water in there, you're putting your earned dollars, your taxable income, uh, the dollars that you earn throughout the year are earned, they're, they're applied different marginal rates. So those marginal brackets, which is the bottom end of, of one, bra- one uh, marginal rate, and then the, the top end of that rate, they move upward uh, and to keep up with inflation over time, which basically means that if your wages stayed exactly the same, if you had the exact same tax year as you did the year prior, uh, and your taxable income figure was the same. What happens now is that you're actually going to end up paying less in terms of of taxes. All, all things the same. So the brackets yeah. are moving up. Uh, but if you didn't get any increase to your taxable income in the year, you're going to be paying less. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, because inflation was so high this year, and wages really didn't keep up with inflation across the board. There's going to be a whole lot of people who are actually going to be paying less in taxes this year because the bracket shifted up and their income stayed the same. So, you know, if you used to be in the 32% tax bracket, you might now find yourself in the 24% tax bracket. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, where could where could this have a planning opportunity? If you're in a shop that uh, that does Roth conversions or considers Roth conversions where you're looking from traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, one of the guidelines you're often going to want to look, look to is uh, how great of a distance can we fill up a tax bracket before we go into another one, right? So let's say our last dollar is taxed in the 24% tax bracket. Uh, if you're looking to do a Roth conversion, a Roth IRA conversion, uh, generally what you do is you'll, you'll fill that bracket up to the next marginal tax rate or, or close to it. And um, what that could mean is that you have a little more headroom for something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, assuming you didn't have any uh, extra income coming in that became taxable income that has these rates applied. Yeah. 
Um, and then also just uh, for people who might still be grumbling about this, even, even though you might be getting a tax break, <laughs> you know, the re- the reason why the IRS does this too is because, you know, if the IRS didn't adjust for inflation and we still had the same brackets as we did, you know, back in like the 1930s or, you know, whenever the, the brackets were introduced, you know, pretty much everyone would be in the top tax brackets because, yeah. you know, back in 1930, the top tax bracket was, was like $25,000. So it's like, if you earn more than $25,000, you're in the top tax bracket. And that would be just about everyone uh, these days. So, you know, it it is actually for the best, you know, you, it is to designed to protect Americans purchasing powers and to make sure that, you know, inflation doesn't eat away at their earnings as well as, you know, causing them to pay more taxes because of it. Absolutely. Now, the the nasty little secret about retirement income, especially if people drawing uh, Social Security retirement income, is that one of the places that has not adjusted for inflation over the years are the bracket breakpoints for what's called provisional income. Uh, basically, what that gets at is how much of your social security benefit is going to be taxable and considered as taxable income in that calendar year. Mm-hmm. Those brackets that they use uh, have not adjusted, which really means essentially, you know, you have brackets that don't adjust, but you have benefits that get cost of living adjustments for inflation. So year over year, even in retirement, you could potentially have more of your social security benefit being taxable income. It's one of those uh, surprises that, that you discover when you start <laughs> stuff closely. Um, yeah, so that's, and that has, that has, you know, tax impact in retirement. Um, but yeah, that's that, as Jerry said, it's nice that these have moved up over the years, but that's one of those that just hasn't budged. So hopefully it does. Yeah, pros and cons. Uh, you know, some sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you know, another one that increase that that's going to work out for people is the uh, alternative minimum tax exemption amount. Yeah. Um, you know, that one went up uh, about I think more than five thousand dollars. The uh, the starting phase out for AMT went up. So you know, that's an extra five thousand dollars wiggle room for. Uh, clients who, you know, might have things like lots of municipal bonds and, you know, other AMT exclusion items. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a big one there, as we, again, we tell our CFP students, right, Jerry, is, is ISOs because ISOs, uh, uh, they have an AMT adjustment that occurs when you exercise the stock options. Those are incentive stock options, ISOs for yep. short. And then they have a negative adjustment that occurs to the AMT when you get to the sale of those eventually. And um, otherwise, with, with AMT, it's, it's really just a strange parallel tax universe uh, that, that, that's just very, very odd. There's a lot of odd things that get captured there. Um, but ISOs are one of the more common ones. But yeah, that's going up as well, that adjusted. Yeah. So, so correct me if I'm wrong. That means that you know, with that adjustment for AMT, it might make more sense for clients to you know exercise those ISOs in the new year uh, because they they have that larger wiggle room. It might, it might yeah. I mean, because that's gonna it's gonna lead to an adjustment. I mean, without getting into the the nitty gritty of of how AMT works, but yeah, it's it's basically that. It's it's that if they have a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more headspace before 
they get to AMT or the alternative minimum tax, uh, which which happens if they have some of those ISOs or those those timing related uh, types of events, right? Where you know ISOs, in order for you to get the most benefit, you have to meet a holding period, and that holding period is uh, from the point of sale. If you look back in time, it's two years to when they were originally granted, and then at least one year between the exercise and the sale. Um, but because you're stretching over tax years, it's one of those things that has a timing component that's not caught in the regular tax year. And uh, it's captured in the AMT side as well, uh, or in, instead. So what happens there, yeah, you get more headroom. And I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where you you put the numbers in, you do the math, and these days a lot of the tax software is going to give you an alert as to what's going, what's going on. We're <laughs> just outsourcing it to the robots. The robots, <laughs> the robots. Tell us, you know, <laughs> what our tax decisions should be. Yeah, if there's ever a job that's fit for robots, um, I'm sure every tax professional would say it's the alternative minimum tax calculation. Yeah. Um, we can we can comfortably and happily, you know, to let the robots take that one. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everyone, Jerry here with a very exciting announcement. On November 30th at 12 p.m. Eastern, the Biff crew will be holding a free live webinar on starting the journey to the CFP. So if you or a colleague are thinking of pursuing your CFP marks in the new year, you won't want to miss out. We'll be covering the personal impact the CFP has had in our careers, a Q&A with our instructors, what the learning process looks like at the Boston Institute of Finance, and best of all, one lucky attendee will be selected at random to receive free enrollment into Bryant University's online CFP program. Registration is now open at bostonifi.com slash CFP 2023. That's bostonifi.com slash CFP 2023. I hope to see you all there. Lots of other stuff uh, that, that caught my eye as well, uh, Jerry. You know, as far as retirement stuff goes, there's a whole lot of retirement uh, contribution limits that went up, right? Uh, 401ks, for instance. Max limits now twenty two thousand five hundred. Uh, IRA contributions went up from yep. six thousand to six thousand five hundred. The uh, the extra catch up remained the same at a thousand. Um, you had an increased simple IRAs up to fifteen thousand five hundred. Uh, the catch up there for the simple IRAs went up to thirty five hundred. So we have we have a lot of extra that you could invest in some of these retirement accounts. But we see also, Jerry, maybe you could speak to this, just some of the phase-out ranges, right, for those traditional IRAs and for Roths, it looks like they adjusted as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, before even talking about the phase-outs, I think it's uh, good to point out, you know, the reason why they increased the contribution limits too, also with inflation, is, you know, as we get older, things are going to cost more. You know, how, how how often did your grandparents tell you, you know, back in my day, you know, that cost a nickel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, if we don't increase these contribution limits to the retirement accounts, that retirement amount is not going to be able to keep up with inflation, you know, when you're in your golden years. So, you know, as prices go up, that means we need to put even more money into our retirement accounts to make sure that that money is uh, you know, has that purchasing power that it needs to uh, when when it's time to retire. So, 
Um, that's just another benefit of these numbers getting adjusted up is uh, you can, you know, stuff those retirement accounts a little bit more full. Yeah. That, and if you can get money into that Roth, um, the, the limits, the, the phase out ranges on the Roth are for Roth contributions. So that's whether or not you can even put money into the Roth directly, right? So yeah. uh, with the Roth IRA, I mean, that is that's as close to, you know, the tax unicorn um, of the HSA, yep. <laughs> the second, <laughs> second best, you know, best one. Um, it, it's a great account. It, it can be really impactful when you set it up right, and fund it throughout uh, your lower earning years. Um, the reason why people do those Roth IRA conversions is that they're just great from uh, a distribution side when you're in retirement. But yeah, those phase out ranges that, that just got adjusted upward are basically they're saying you can put more into this account uh, now, which is a good thing, which means more people might qualify to have a couple bucks that they sock away into the Roth IRA directly. And, and that's yep. great. Yeah. So to just kind of clarify that for our listeners. So the phase out ma- amounts that dictates who who can contribute to the accounts. So now higher earners will be able to contribute to Roth accounts who might not have been able to in the past. And uh, the dollar contribution limit dictates how much you can contribute. So we have the number of people who can contribute is going up as well as the amount that they can contribute is going up, which is all great and hunky-dory, but Ideally, in a world, those number uh, the the number of people who can contribute should stay relatively the same if wages are you know keeping pace with inflation. Yeah. It just so happens that this year, you know, wages aren't keeping pace with inflation, and uh, the net result is you know more people are going to be able to contribute to these accounts who weren't able to in the past. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point, Jerry, and and thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, so you have the contribution limit, but then you also have the phase-out ranges, which which tell you just how much you can actually do that. Um, but we'll we'll just point to the traditional IRA side really quick. Yeah, because those have those ranges too, right? You can earn only up to a certain amount before, it, you know, you can. Now on that side, on the traditional IRA side, it's for a deduction. So um, you can put money into your IRA up into the contribution limits every year, mm-hmm. but you get an added bonus if you have a certain income for how you file your taxes. And that bonus is you can get a deduction. It's actually one of the more powerful deductions because it's an above the line uh, deduction. So that, that happens higher on your tax return. And um, the reason it's more powerful is that it, it affects different things down the tax return as we get toward taxable income uh, that we talked about before. But that traditional IRA, those bands are going up as well. Uh, and yeah, just important to, to keep note, traditional IRA, those phase-out ranges are for deductibility. Roth IRA, those phase-out ranges are for contribution, whether or not you can actually make the contribution. Yeah. And these are all important conversations to be having with your client. And, you know, not, like we said before, don't get stuck in a rut. Don't just assume that just because a client wasn't able to make it last year, doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they are not able to make it this year. You know, you owe it to your clients 
to double check for them and see it's like, hey, you know, guess what? You you were on the line before and now you're you're over it. You know, you can make these contributions or, you know, you can take a tax deduction on your traditional IRA when you weren't able to take a tax deduction before, or, you know, you can make a Roth contribution where you couldn't make one before. Um, so, you know, definitely bears going in and double checking your clients, uh, you know, income brackets and, you know, uh, do that due diligence to, to make sure you're getting them the most bang for their buck with their retirement accounts. Absolutely. Yeah. Jerry, I have to bring up the one I'm most excited for. Here, oh, yeah. Okay. Which is, it's, it's the annual gift tax exclusion. So, ah, yes. One <laughs> knows. And this, this for me is really timely. It's just in time for me to make things a little uncomfortable at Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> what I do, what I do at Thanksgiving is I pull up a chair next to the highest earners in the family and I pitch them on the annual gift tax exclusion and try to convince them to, to give me tax-free um, a, a large sum of money. So I make things really weird at Thanksgiving for my family. They deserve it though. Um, but the annual gift tax exclusion amount. So uh, what happens there, uh, you get this, this pool of money that you can gift to people and uh, the, the donor, the person that gives that, uh, doesn't have any tax impact. It's just a tax-free gift that goes to uh, whoever they want and an unlimited number of people. Uh, the only little caveat is that the, it has to be what they call a gift of present interest, which means that the person receiving uh, the, the property or the money can, can only use that. They need to be able to use that today, like here and now. Um, but that's going up. That's going up from 16000 last year to 17000 in 2023. So that means uh, I can maybe squeeze an extra thousand bucks out of a couple of my family members this year. I mean, who knows? That works. <laughs> I actually have a, a fun trivia fact about uh, yeah. the gift tax exclusion that I just learned the other day, Adam. Yeah, go for it. Um, I forget his name, but so there's this uh, this rich oil tycoon, uh -huh. and and he was famously stingy like super, super stingy, you know, did anything he could do to cut, cut, cut costs. Yep. And his grandson was kidnapped and the, the kidnappers were, uh, uh, you know, bribing the grandfather because they knew he was loaded uh, for a ransom. And the grandfather was so stingy that he negotiated the ransom down to the annual gift tax exclusion amount so that he wouldn't be taxed on the bribe. <laughs> <laughs> and when I read that, I just, I thought it was the funniest thing, but also, man, that sucks to be that guy's grandson. <laughs> <laughs> when I see you grandson, I just see the gift tax exclusion. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, yeah, oh, I'll, I'll pay the ransom, but it can't be more than 17,000. <laughs> Poor kid. Oh my gosh. Now what's interesting there is that, uh, we haven't seen this, but I'm assuming what's going to happen is that um, on the generation skipping tax side, right? So the grandson there is also a skip person. Right. <laughs> so luckily, there's an annual exclusion amount for generation skipping uh, tax as well. But but who knows with a guy like that? I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, that's taken just tax efficiency to a, a really <laughs> bad place. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so on, on that too, that has some other really great real life bonuses, right? Like Jerry, maybe you could speak to the 529 super fund. 
Yeah. So uh, with the gift tax exclu- gift tax exclusion, tongue twister, uh, with that amount going up, that also means that the 529 uh, five-year super fund provision also goes up. So the 529 is a very uh, interesting piece of uh, legislation, <laughs> you know, you can you can almost see the um, uh, what's it called the the people who uh, you know their job it is to convince senators to do what they want. Oh, the lobbyists. Yes, yeah, lobbyists. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, five twenty nine <laughs> is like if if lobbyists were allowed to write their own tax legislation, it would look like a five twenty nine <laughs> account. <laughs> um, because the five twenty nine has a special provision that allows you to use five years of gifting all at once and put it into the account. And so since the gift tax uh, amount is increasing by $1,000, that means the top contribution amount that you can do in the super funding for 529s increases by $5,000. And then also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Adam, but I do believe that since that number is going up, if you did a super fund in previous years for the maximum amount, you can now contribute additional amount up to the new limit. That's right. Totally. Yeah. You, you have your, your five-year path, right? Um, as you move into those tax years where you did this forward funding, right? This super fund. Um, if things go up, you can, you can add more to, to get up to the current rate. And so that means that if someone, if someone did this, uh, it's, it's tricky coming up with an example because it's changed three times in, in the matter of, of five years uh four or five years so uh but that's true basically you can add more up to that amount on a super fund contribution that you already gave yep so if you had clients who in previous years you know did that super fund amount they capped it out uh but they still want to add a little you know extra dollars and cents into that 529 um you know you take another look at those accounts because chances are you can probably add another you know, three, four, maybe even $5,000, depending on when they did the, uh, the contribution. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good point, Jerry. And where, where that also comes into play too, you'll see the uh, gift tax exclusion amount tied to islets, right? To irrevocable life insurance trusts. Uh, what people will often do is they'll have, uh, you know, without getting too crazy in the weeds here, something called a, a crummy provision, right? Where you, you kind of open up this window where you take something that is, is kind of earmarked for the future, but they, they call it a present interest gift. Uh, yep. It's a really crazy thing. It comes from this case with this, this guy whose last name was Crummy, and it wasn't the oil tycoon that Jerry brought up before. <laughs> but also famously stingy. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually went to the IRS courts and, uh, and said, I, I want... This, even though this is going into a trust for my, my, my grandkids, like, I just want this to still qualify as a present interest gift, and he actually won. Um, but that's where you see that come into play as well. Uh, you know, gifting into, into different minors' trusts, that's another place where you'll see that. So 2503B and 2503C accounts, um, it applies in both of those, even with the 2503C that it's technically an accumulating trust you get a little break there. But so there's, there's a lot of places where this ends up. So it's not just for gifts. Um, you know, it, it brings up in my mind, what we tell a lot of our students to do is to look for those connections across these different financial planning topics, because they are everywhere. 
I mean, this is yeah. a lots of overlap, lots of because it's all these numbers are built on other numbers, and you know, the IRS yeah. borrows from other legislation as kind of like their index point, you know, as far as what they should base things on. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jerry, I, I think maybe we could just bring up one or two more than, than call it. Yeah. Call it. Well, I, I just want to bring up because I know we're probably having some listeners who, you know, they themselves or their clients are saying to them, uh, you know, hey, that's all hunky dory. Great. I can make, you know, additional contributions to my accounts. But uh, listen, my grocery bill just went from $100 to $250. I don't have any extra money to uh, put into my accounts. You know, what, what does this do for me? Well, uh, I do have good news uh, for you guys as well. Uh, because, uh, you know, quite a few tax credits and, mm-hmm. you know, other numbers were also uh, increased, you know, for example, the uh, maximum earned income tax credit, uh, that up, that went up to $7,430 up from $6,935. So that's an extra $500 tax credit um, that uh, your clients are going to be receiving, um, you know, if, if they, uh, uh, you know, qualify for the earned income tax credit. Um, you know, uh, uh, there's lots of other minor ones too, like, uh, qualified transportation fringe benefit, <laughs> you know, that amount went up, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. there's, there's just like dozens of little, little tax credits and, and things like that, that, that got adjusted upwards by a couple hundred dollars here and there. So, you know, if your clients, uh, itemize or, you know, even some of these, you don't even have to itemize for, but. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to maximize the, those tax credits, you're going to see a, you know, a couple hundred, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars, depending on how many of your clients qualify for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good, really good point, Jerry. And, uh, another credit adoption credit, uh, for those that, that finalized an adoption in 2023, that, that credit went up a little bit, uh, to 15,950 and, um, yeah, there's, there's many more. Uh, unified credit for the, the estate tax. So that's that lifetime gift and estate tax exemption amount. Um, that went up quite a bit. So there's there's all sorts of good stuff. And I'm sure we'll get a couple of extras trickling in as we, we get closer to year end. Um, but definitely worth checking these out. I know that there are some really useful one sheets on these that start to come out around this time, but to keep your eyes open for it. Um, If you want to look directly to the IRS source, uh, definitely give you more detail. It's Revenue Procedure 2022-38. So you can just type that into a Google search. It'll take you right to it on irs.gov. But this is an important one. And I think we have another podcast that's coming up where I think you and Mike, Jerry, might be talking about uh, about social security, right? And yep. Yeah. In there. So, uh, and also maybe some Medicare part B Irma, uh, Irma. So those adjustments for the monthly premium too, right? Yeah. So, uh, take a look at that. Uh, that'll be coming out a little bit after this episode comes out, probably a, a week or two after. Um, and yeah, Mike and I are going to be sitting down and talking about, um, you know, deciding when, you know, you or your clients should actually file and take social security and, you know, how some of these uh, inflation numbers might affect that. Yeah, that's going to be a good episode. That's something I know are on a lot of people's minds uh, as they're, they're thinking about when do I take my benefit? Because we just had a 
huge year in terms of the cost of living adjustment for social security. So I'm, I'm excited to hear that one when you guys record it. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out that there is one big uh, item in the tax law that uh, is relevant for the CFP exam that was not adjusted for inflation. And I was kind of surprised to see this is the lifetime learning credit was not adjusted for inflation. It is still staying at a, a phase out amount of $80,000. Um, so that is kind of one downside is, you know, if you took the lifetime learning credit uh, or, you know, you had clients take the lifetime learning credit, credit previously, um, they might not qualify it for any more, um, you know, if, if their income levels went up. Yeah, and, and with that, uh, the, the AOTC, pretty much stays stays the same too. So those two are gonna be, you know, 80,000 uh, for, for the single and then 160K for 160,000 for joint returns. So yep. those two are just gonna stay there, but those are, that is a CFP board, you know, hot topic for, for the yes. CFP exam. That's why I wanted to bring it up because those good, get good tested call. a lot. <laughs> good call bringing that one up, Jerry. Um, anything else here? I think that does it. Um, you yeah. know, like we said at the beginning, top of the episode, um, you know, these aren't numbers that you necessarily need to memorize um, because the majority, if not all of the ones relevant for the CFP exam are going to be on those tax tables. Um, but we like to bring it up just because you would not believe the number of students I have to remind that those tax tables exist. You know, I talked to students like, oh, I was trying to do this question and I just couldn't do it. I'm like, well, were you looking at the tax tables while you're answering the questions? Yeah, like, right. oh, no, I don't have those up while I study. I'm like, have them up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> these questions are written with those numbers in mind and that you will have access to those numbers. You know, don't make it harder for yourself than it really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard some students in the past say, well, if I'm only using it twice, why even bother? And I think the answer to that is because you don't have to, to memorize another thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> memorize enough. You don't have to memorize this stuff. And especially, I feel like it's so much more difficult to memorize phase-out ranges and yeah. all of these numbers. You have the resource. Just use it. It's there. Yeah. That's what it's there for. And especially if you are a practicing financial advisor. And like I, when I was practicing, I, I did it. Like I could rattle off IRA contribution limits and annual gift tax amounts and 529 contribution because I was doing it every day. But like I said, it's like when New Year's turns over and, you know, you're still writing last year's date, you know, I would rattle off last year's numbers because, you know, you're just used to it. So especially if you're a practicing advisor, make sure you rely on those tax tables and not just go off of memory uh, because you might accidentally, you know, do last year's numbers and get an, an otherwise super easy question completely wrong. Yeah, I like that, Jerry. I like your your uh, using the date on the check analogy. Yep. <laughs> I think that's, it's very much like that. Just carries right over into the next year. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Well, awesome. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode. I know it was kind of heavy with lots of tax law stuff, but hopefully Adam and I kept it entertaining for you. Uh, and we will see you all next time. Sounds good. Don't be an oil baron. Yeah. <laughs> if your grandson gets kidnapped, uh, you know, <laughs> write that check. <laughs> That's good. All right. Take care. I'll see y'all soon.